Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in Acts chapter 26. And here Paul is defending himself before uh, Agrippa, who is a descendant of uh, Herod the so-called Great. And you remember that, that Paul has appealed to Caesar. Uh, and along the way, uh, the issue becomes among the governors, various governors that he's brought to, is uh, what what are the charges against this man? He can appeal to, to Caesar, but, but we don't know what it is that we are to tell Caesar uh, he's being charged with. And so Agrippa uh, wants to listen to Paul, hear his side of the story. And what we get in this chapter is an insight into uh, Paul's motivation uh, that begins with his conversion and calling and uh, also with, with uh, his, his mission, uh, his faith. Verse 1, so Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense, right? And everything that follows is that. And it's really broken down into two parts, his pre-conversion story and his post-conversion story. So he, he, he tells us who he was uh, prior to coming to Christ uh, and, and what his passions and zeal were. Uh, and, and we really end up seeing Paul saying that what I was doing then is what these folks are doing now to me. Um, and then he talks about his conversion and his life since encountering the risen Christ. So verse 4, let's look at his pre-conversion. I have to do a lot of skipping here. Uh, my manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? It really is a simple question, isn't it? Um, he's saying, look, look, all Jews are living for this hope. And I was among the strictest of those Jews. And yet I can see that God can and does raise the dead. Right? So the Paul, the resurrection, is the center of everything. So being a Pharisee, he already had in his theology that, that there is a resurrection. But now, having encountered Christ, he, he sees it with greater clarity. As he'll say later, that Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. And so to him, again, the, the center of everything is the question, did Jesus rise bodily from the dead? And that is still the central question that Christianity asks the world. Did God raise Christ from the dead? If no, ignore Christianity. If yes, then you cannot so easily ignore Jesus or the message of the gospel. You can still reject it, but you do so at your own peril. Um, he, he goes on to, to talk about his life as the strict Pharisee, seeking to um, uh, destroy this young faith. Um, he'll say there in verse 10, I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Um, what I think we, we can see here, get from here, is uh, we first meet Saul in the context of Stephen's execution. Uh, that Saul held the coats of those uh, chucking large stones at Stephen. Uh, but but but. But what we also see is Saul's um, guilt, right? He, he's laid at the feet of Christ and all that, but he, he knows, this is who I was. Um, and, and when asked, what sort of person were you? He, he's going to make sure that, that that pivotal moment is mentioned. I was involved in the murder of innocent people. And so we see that, that within his own psyche, 
um, the, the, that though he is liberated from, from guilt and shame and, and sin, like his role in, in the story of Stephen, the, there is still part of him that, that, that is reminded of that. Uh, and, and that, uh, although it was an injustice, God has used to convict his heart and to move him to, to faith. Well, then, then we get Paul's conversion. Uh, I want to uh, skip down to verse 16. We, we, we looked at the conversion itself uh, earlier at Acts, so I, I don't want to rehash all of it. Verse 16, Jesus says, Rise and stand upon your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me uh, and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So the, the, the calling is quite simple. I'm going to call I'm going to, um, uh, you're going to suffer, yes, but I'm going to call you, yes, to the Jews, but primarily the Gentiles. And the message you're going to give the Gentiles is the same message you'll give to the Jews. And that is that salvation and forgiveness is procured by the death and resurrection of Jesus and that by faith you will be saved, whether Jew or Gentile. Right? This is the message of Paul. Um, and I love the language of opening eyes and turning from darkness to light. This is the sort of imagery we see in the Gospels. Luke would be a good example of that, who, who wrote not just Acts, but also the Gospel named after him. And that Jesus opens eyes, not just because you've heard me say he's a good humanitarian, because he believes in social justice, but because it is a picture of the gospel. And here, Christ gives that commission to Paul. It is the calling of the Christian to, by faith and through the gospel, to open eyes and bring out of darkness into light. Well, he goes on, verse 20, I declare first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all of the region of Judea and also to, to the Gentiles. And just pause there. That is Acts 1.8. Now, it isn't perfect, right? He's going to start in Damascus, and then he'll go to Jerusalem. But you see, Jerusalem, region Judea, and Gentiles. So, so we see that not only is the book of Acts following this trajectory, but the life of Paul follows this trajectory. He is uh, converted in Damascus, and then where does he, he, he ends up, at least, at least in, this, in this way, this is told. Uh, he'll start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Uh, so, so we see it. Once again, another example, Acts 1-8 playing uh, a, a thematic row. Uh, but what is, he, what is he preaching? That they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Notice that repentance is salvation. Performing deeds in keeping with their repentance is, is the demonstration of, this, of the work of the Spirit. So, so what he's not saying is faith and works. What he's saying is faith leads to works. We are saved by the works of Christ, by faith. And that transformation leads to demonstrations of our faith, which are good works and deeds and, and sanctification. And so he says, I'm calling everyone to repent and to live a life consistent with repentance. Verse 21, for this reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Now, Paul is skipping over some of the details. Uh, but he's not wrong. He's saying here, look, they've essentially seized me because I dare to go to the Gentiles and preach Christ raised from the dead. And now he's been arrested because of the accusation he's brought a Gentile into the temple beyond where Gentiles are allowed to go. 
and, and that, that's a false accusation. But Paul says, look, at the end of the day, the real reason they're arresting me is because I, as a Jew, dare to go to the Gentiles and preach Christ and him crucified. Well, you know, they, then Agrippa and Paul have this back and forth. Um, and what's striking is that Paul seems to forget he is on trial for his own life and liberty. And he zeroes in on the king and pleads with him to repent, essentially. So we get in verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? There's that term that started in Acts, or Acts, in Antioch, I should say. And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also who hear me this day, might become such as I am, except for these chains. This is his trial. This is trial. And one of the things, if you study church history, you'll see that this is a pattern, a pattern among persecuted believers. To, to turn their trial into evangelistic crusade. My, my favorite example, because it's my ancestors, were in Virginia. And um, in Virginia, you could not preach without a license. Um, the, Virginia, of course, named after the Virgin Queen, who's the, who is the head of the Church of England, Anglican Church. So at the time, this is pioneer times, um, pre-revolutionary war times, uh, Virginia had a state church. Most states did. And um, to be a Baptist without a license, to preach without a license, was illegal. So my ancestor named Lewis uh, Craig is uh, on trial, he and, and others, and he turns his trial into basically a sermon. He eventually goes to prison, and while in prison, he preaches to everyone that that, that, that would go by. Um, and this is this is common in, in church history um, that we defend Christ before we defend ourselves. Now, if that were the attitude of Christians right now, how much healthier would the church be? Too often we come to Christ demanding goodies, rather than we come to Christ so that we may lift Him up where He where He deserves to be. Um, what a radical insight we, we get here. Um, that Paul even wants those who have him in chains to come to faith. And if it means he bear chains so that they would come to faith, then so be it. He would rather suffer for the glory of God than for his own liberty. Yeah. Well, uh, just to look at one other thing. Um, when uh, Agrippa and Festus, they conclude, verse 31... This man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. Now, remember, we, we've talked about the parallels between the trials and the sufferings of Paul and that of Christ. And, and this would be a pattern throughout the early church to where uh, Christians would consider an honor to suffer as Christ suffered. Um, and uh, uh, that, that God would consider them worthy to be martyred. Um, but here we, we see an early example of that. Just as Christ was deemed innocent by both governor and king, so too is Paul being declared innocent by governor and king. So what we'll see next week is the continuing travel. I believe, uh, or I, I said next week, I mean tomorrow. Um, I believe tomorrow we'll look at the shipwreck of Paul. And that leads to Paul in Rome um, in Acts 28. So we're almost done with the very last book, whole book that we have to look at in our study through the New Testament. Um, so Lord willing, uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, we will do that. Hope to see you then.